Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. We're so glad that we can come together and worship the living God today, who gives us His grace, who gives us His mercy, and who gives us His love. We're in Timothy this morning, actually 2 Timothy, and I'll be reading uh, verses 10 through, uh, of chapter 3 through verse 5 of chapter 4 this morning. Hear the words of the Lord. You, however, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now these words were written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. And Paul was training Timothy to be a disciple. But not just to be a disciple, to be a person who makes disciples. And as the the mission statement of our church reads, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, we must ask ourselves this morning, if Paul were here today preaching this message to us, what would his words be? Perhaps they would be the same. You see, before Paul became a Christian. He was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a a religious zealot who devoted his life to the studying of God's word, but didn't recognize God's son. And when Jesus knocked him off his horse, he blinded him. And he told him to go into further into town and find the man named Ananias. And God spoke to Ananias in a vision. He said, this man, Paul, will come to you. And I want you to say these words to him. <clears throat> Show him that he is to be my chosen instrument to bring my name before Gentiles and kings, before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much 
he must suffer, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. That man Saul became Paul, and he was now a witness of who Jesus is and his message. And he spent the rest of his life spreading the gospel, planting churches, and training church leaders. Well, our message today has to deal with witness. We've been in this sermon series called Should I Join for many weeks now, and what we've been talking about are the vows that a person makes when they join the church. And vows are important. Oaths are important because they, they bring us honor when we keep them. Each of our veterans here this morning, when you stood up to join your particular branch of service, you made a vow, didn't you? You took an oath. And to keep that oath brings you honor, and you certainly have done that by your sacrifice, which we honor here today. Similarly, as a person joins the church of Jesus Christ, he or she makes oaths, makes vows. And in a similar way, the way in which we keep and honor those vows brings honor to us and to Christ. So we've simply been walking through these vows line by line, word by word, and today we come to the end of this. And the final vow that we seek to examine today has to do with our witness. You see, the last thing that we say is that we will faithfully participate in its ministries, meaning the church, through our prayers, our presence, gifts, service, and witness. And these scriptures today talk all about witnesses and what it means to be a witness. You see, it's important that we understand what a witness is and what it means to witness. Because many of us have grown up with this understanding that witnessing when it comes to our faith is something that we do. We're going to go witness to that person or we're going to witness to them or witness to that. But the fact is a witness isn't a, a verb. It's not what you do. It's who you are in this context. And we are witnesses. It isn't something that we do. It's something that we are. When Peter preached at Pentecost, he gave the message about Jesus and what he had seen and who Jesus was. And he gave this charge to the, to the audience to be reconciled to God. <clears throat> and he said in Acts 2.32, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. You and I are the same We are witnesses, and we vow to be faithful witnesses to who God is. So to be a faithful witness is simply this, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, isn't it? If a person in court is called to be a witness, that is the oath that they take. And you and I have taken a similar oath to be witnesses of Jesus. So to be a faithful witness means three things. The first thing that it means to be a faithful witness is that you have experienced God. It means that you have something to witness, that you have witnessed God, and you have something to witness about. So let me just ask the question, is that true for you? What has God done in your life? What's your story? Do you know Jesus? Have you responded to his grace? Earlier in the membership vows, one of the first things that you confess is Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You've put your whole trust in his grace. But I can't take that for granted. Just because we sit in a church room filled with people, many of whom are members, does not necessarily mean that the equal number have turned to Christ, have accepted him. 
Just as Pastor Mike often says, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a French fry. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Do you know Jesus? Have you experienced Him? Secondly, has this experience changed you? To be a witness means that you've been changed. Each of these men and women here today, I would say, have probably been changed by their service, haven't you? You're not the same that you were before you served. The experiences that you had in in your service to this country have changed you. And as you share your stories about what's happened to you and what you've experienced, the change is evident. My grandfather was a POW in World War II. He was shot down. He was a a navigator in a a bomber and was shot down over Romania and and spent, I think, two years in in a German POW camp. My grandmother didn't know if he was alive or dead for over a year. And I'll tell you something, that changed their relationship. It changed him as a man. Similarly, when we've had an experience with God, it changes us. A few weeks ago, I talked about this, this idea from John 13 where Jesus says, Abide in me and I will abide in, abide in you and you will bear fruit. The fruit is the change in your life that knowing Jesus has meant. This isn't about being perfect. None of us are perfect people. But it's about having a relationship with God. And when we do struggle, when we do sin, when we do fall, the fruit of a Christian is repentance. And the fruit of a person who knows Jesus and who recognizes their imperfection is humility. The book of James says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to those who are humble. And we as Christians have never claimed to be perfect. Now the world will tell us, oh, you guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. You ever hear that? Just a bunch of hypocrites in church. You know what I say to that? Yep, that's me. You're absolutely right. Because what's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person who, who knows what's right, but sometimes doesn't do it. Ever, anybody here fall into that category? Yeah, okay, that's all of us. As if the world doesn't fall into that category. But you see, the difference between a Christian and, an, and a person who's not a Christian is not to do with their level of perfection. It's the level of Jesus' perfection. And, and a Christian is one who simply has put their faith and trust in Jesus' level of perfection, not in their own. So I don't need to stand here as a minister of the gospel and as a Christian and say to you, well, look at me, I'm perfect, I've got it all figured out, I'm a witness that I'm perfect. That would be counter the gospel. Rather, we are to be humble. And our witness as a church and as Christians needs to be one of humility, but also one of truth. So have you changed? Is your life different because you know Jesus? How are you different? This is part of your witness. Can you imagine how different this world would be if men like Peter and Paul and James and Timothy heard the gospel, had their experience with Jesus, but didn't change their lives at all? Things would certainly look a lot differently, wouldn't they? See, if what we say about Jesus is true, then knowing him should change us in more ways than imaginable. And if you don't feel like you've changed or you wish you could change more and you find yourself constantly crying out to God, help me to change, help me to change, guess what? That's humility. Humility is recognizing that you need more change, that you need more Jesus Not ever saying, oh, I'm perfect. I got it all figured out. I got this part nailed. 
That's pride. And remember, God opposes the prideful but gives grace to the humble. So to those of us, all of us who recognize that we need to continue in change, God is on your side. Continue. Continue to abide in Christ. That's the journey of faith. Keep seeking God and the change will happen. And then thirdly, of course, to be a faithful witness means that your lifestyle openly reflects that change. Now your lifestyle is what you say and what you do. And this is the hardest part for many of us, isn't it? Because what does it mean to be a witness in terms of sharing everything we've experienced with Jesus? Many of us are uncomfortable with this idea of sharing our faith because we've seen radical examples, haven't we? You know, I just got back from this long vacation and one of the places we went was Los Angeles, California. We put 4,650 miles on our little Prius with all five of us and our stuff. And we had a great time. And when we made it to California, we went down to Hollywood Boulevard so the kids could see all the stars and the, and the pavement and all that stuff. And, you know, we actually saw Michael Jackson there. He was walking around, and for $3, you could get a photo taken with him. <laughs> Batman was there. Marilyn Monroe was there. Tom Cruise was there. The Tom Cruise looked exactly like Tom Cruise. It was amazing. And Don King was there. Now... I'm not sure where Don King fits into the world of Hollywood celebrities, but my kids, of course, had no idea who he was. But anyway, they were all there, right? Well, in the midst of this crowd of people gathered in this small area was a man with a sign that said something like, you know, turn or burn, and a bullhorn through which he barked out, you know, warnings about hell and, and messages about, you know, King James and all this kind of stuff. And... and, and, and words that you couldn't understand and just a lot of like, you know, sort of hostility. And I was there with a good friend of mine who I'm not sure he would identify himself as a Christian, but I know he's searching for God and we certainly pray for that. And he turned to me and he said, Keith, is, is is that effective? Is that what Christians are supposed to do? And I said, I'm not really sure how effective that is in the world of, of evangelism. But for some people, that's what they think being a witness means. And we see that, and we go, I don't want that. Years ago, when I used to make my living as a waiter, you know, you survive on tips. And, and on Sundays is when the church people will all show up. Not the best days for tips, by the way, which is kind of weird. Not, not only that, but there were some, you know, who thought that instead of leaving me actual money... They would leave me like fake money with Bible verses on it and say, you want a tip, this is your tip. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if you don't love Jesus, you're going to, you know, be in big trouble. Now, do you think that was an effective witness to, to those of us who were, you know, squeaking by trying to, trying to, you know, make a living on that when, it, when a person claiming to, to know Jesus comes in and, and stiffs us on the tip but gives us a piece of paper with a Bible verse on it? Now, we hear stories like that. I don't want anything to do with that. But you know what? I've also experienced much more the world of secret Christians. Those Christians who, who want to keep their faith so quiet, so hidden, so, so tucked away for fear of, of not offending anyone or for fear of persecution or for fear of losing friends or for fear of, of not getting a promotion or for fear of whatever it might be. So what's the best way then for your lifestyle to openly reflect the change that knowing Jesus has made in a world that is often so hostile 
to the Christian faith. How can we be faithful witnesses then? If this is what it means, what does it look like for us quickly? I want to go back to some of Paul's comments to this young man named Timothy. You see, these words were written to this young man who was in a culture that was hostile, who was surrounded by people who needed to know the truth about Jesus, but wouldn't always respond favorably to it. And here's here's what I wanted to point out to you this morning. In verse 14, he says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because because you know those who from you have learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. So just gleaning from that, these things, continue in what you've learned. Rely on the wisdom of God, not the cultural standards. The world's standards oftentimes do not reflect the wisdom of God. In fact, they are opposed to it. Stick with God's wisdom, not the wisdom of this world. In verse 2, he says to Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Talk to people about what the Bible says. When it's fashionable to do so and when it's not. Do this carefully, not out of pride or self-righteousness, but rather out of love. It's not always going to go well, but have patience. Make sure that you encourage people as well. I wonder if the guy with the bullhorn would have had a much greater time sharing Christ with people if he would have talked about the love of God and given some encouragement and told these people that they mattered to Jesus and that's why Jesus came. But that sadly wasn't the message. May it be your message. Recognize the world, however, though, will not cheer on your faith. Oftentimes those who call themselves Christians will not cheer on your faith. Remember that Paul said that people are so easy to turn away from truth to suit their own desires. And that's what it means when he says preach it in season and out of season. And finally he says, but you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head in the game. Don't be driven by emotion or react in irrational ways. Keep your wits about you. This is heavy stuff, being a faithful witness. Because being a faithful witness in the world will not win you any prizes. These days, especially when this world has demonized Christians as hateful, closed-minded fools, we are often labeled intolerant for holding a biblical worldview when it comes to so many other issues in this world. Paul says, endure that. Don't shy away from it. Don't compromise with the world. Endure that. Be faithful. Stick with the truth. Because your reward is God, not the approval of this world. Being a faithful witness to what you have seen in Jesus Christ through your lifestyle is how the world will be transformed. And your witness is what God uses to show others His glory and what He has done for them. Have you ever heard the question asked, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I've heard that many times. I want to flip it around as I close here and ask the question this way. If Jesus were on trial for being the Son of God, the Savior of the world, 
and you were called as a witness, would your testimony convict him? See, each of us is called to be a faithful witness in this world that is so hostile to the gospel. May it be so for us. May it be so for you. And may it be so for our denomination, the United Methodist Church. We need prayers in this regard. We need to pray that God would give us the courage that we need to stand strong in a world that is going the other way at 150,000 miles an hour. May God give us the grace that we need to be faithful witnesses. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for these men, Lord, that have been called by you to be great witnesses. I thank you for Paul and for Peter and Timothy and for Jesus, Lord, who, who stood strong in truth. And Father, for all of us who, who wrestle with these oaths that we take as we consider joining the church or as we re-examine the oaths that we've already taken, God, may we approach those things seriously with honor, Lord, just as our veterans have done so, God, that we might bring you honor and that this world might be transformed by your power. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Have a look at this video. Hi, my name is Kim Moore. My husband, Dan, and I have been going to the church for about four years. We chose it out of all the other churches in Marion because it feels like home. We enjoy the people here so much, and we love giving of our time and talents. And you may recognize me from the 945 or the 11 o'clock services singing. I love to be able to express the joy that I have in my heart and to share that with other people. And I feel that that is something that God has given me for a gift, and I want to share it with others. These are the reasons that we give to our church. And please join us in worshiping God in this way. And will the ushers please come forward. Thank you for the gifts that you have given to us, God. And today we offer a portion of them back to you today. Use them for the furtherance of your kingdom in this world. May they be a witness to the gospel. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me a prayer for our veterans and service persons in active duty. This morning, let's go to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, you said in your word that greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And Father, that's what we think of when we see these men and women who have served this country, Lord. We see men and women who have 
been willing to make the ultimate sacrifice out of their love for their fellow countrymen. And God, we offer you thanks on their behalf today. Father, we offer you thanks for their witness, for the way that they have shown honor and courage and fearlessness. Lord, we ask today that you would bless all veterans, that you would pour out your grace upon them, and that you would show us, Lord, by their example, what it means to lay down your life. Father, we lift up those who are continuing to serve even as we speak this morning. Lord, men and women all over this world who have placed themselves in harm's way for strangers that they will never see. God, we ask that you would keep them safe. We ask that you would go before them and that you would protect them. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over and give them mercy and give them grace. Give them courage. And Lord, for those who've returned and who struggle with post-traumatic stress or with worry or with reintegration back into normal society here, God, we pray that we as a people, Lord, might receive all with open arms. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, now what I'd like to do is, uh, you've heard enough of me yapping up here. I think it's time to hear from, from our, our, our service folks here this morning. John Nealon, Major, U.S. Army Special Forces, retired, Vietnam. Steve Arco, Major, Military Police, retired U.S. Army, 21 years of service. Ron Boss, Captain, uh, 1st Battalion, 133rd Infantry, Iowa Army National Guard. Darrell Larson, U.S. Army Medical Corps, Sergeant. Uh, George Avedili, United States Army, 40th Infantry Division, Korea. I always let the officers go first. <laughs> Mike Richmond, United States Army, 69 to 72, Spec 5. Uh, Vern Winship, U.S. Army, 6971, Specialist 4th Class. Walker Kelly, U.S. Army, Army Security Agency, 1968-1971, and the proud son of Lieutenant Ed Kelly, U.S. Army Artillery, World War II, Lieutenant Louise Kelly, U.S. Army Nurse Corps, World War II. Dan Sandoval, and I... Uh, was in the Air Force as an air traffic controller and also here in Cedar Rapids. I'm retired from the uh, government. Glenn Gearing, I was in the Marine Air Corps, draftee, and I served from 1951 August to August of 1953 in a Marine Fighter Squadron. 
Wilbur Everett's uh, U.S. Army Signal Corps. I fought the Battle of Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Noma Lucas, um, Navy Wave, and started in 51 in Norfolk, Virginia. Wayne Lucas, Senior Chief Petty Officer, United States Navy, retired 1946-1966. Gene Scadden, U.S. Marine Corps, Sergeant, uh, Vietnam, 62 to 66. Roger Flint, Staff Sergeant, United States Marine Corps, Korea. Maury Campbell, Lieutenant, United States Air Force. Kurt Liscomb, Engineering Aide, Second Class, Naval Mobile Construction Battalion 62, Diego Garcia. Dave Dewiler, U.S. Air Force, 436th Military Airlift Command, 66-68. Bob Bunning, 13th Field Artillery, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. Maury Barnes. Electronic Technician, Second Class, U.S. Coast Guard. Norm Henke, a former member of this church, 1963 to 78. Margaret and I have moved to California. I was a member of this church from 63 to 76 or 77, sang in the choir. United States Air Force, Strategic Air Command, B-36s, uh, reached the exalted rank of first lieutenant. Charlie Cress, United States Navy, first class petty officer. Lee Kopik, airman first class, U.S. Air Force, Japan. Frank Hines was a tech sergeant in the Air Force World War II, served out of England. Uh, Irwin Redford, U.S. Army Air Force, uh, from 43 to 46, uh, served my overseas time in India, uh, which is now Pakistan, the area I was in. Uh, Jane Brockhart, Captain Army, um, National Guard in West Virginia and Idaho, and our daughter, Maria, is a Spec 4 in the National Guard in Iowa. take a moment and acknowledge the family uh, members of any uh, deceased veterans that are here. If you have a family member who was a veteran who is now deceased, would you please stand? 
Will you please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 